So, here in the office, definitely have deeper depths when it comes to adaptation. We're going to relate adaptation to honesty now because we've done the intro into adaptation. We've talked about what makes good productibles for you, systems and products and services and anything that you use, that you choose to use that really helps you in your life, in your daily life. And so now we're going to get to the deeper depths. I am enjoying sitting here in front of Here in the office, I've got the wax warmer and, yep, Ooh, a little hot, a little, not too bad. This thing does not really get that hot at all. Um, it's perfect for melting and it saves a lot of wax. So it really hardly takes any wax to melt and it's so safe. It's an alternative to regular candles. I've definitely in my younger teen years have gotten burnt on regular candles and lighters for that matter and all that kind of stuff. So I just, I love this because I could literally touch it and enjoy the heat and enjoy the wax. And, um, wax is wax. I've gotten this stuff everywhere and it doesn't really make a huge mess. I've gotten it stained all over my clothes and everything. I just really recommend it for those it brings out the whole house. Um, it actually brings out the kitchen because I was doing some cleaning here this morning. So you can get these on Amazon. They're jars and you put wax in and it's got a plug with a little knob you click, like a turning knob that clicks on the cord on the near the kind of like a dial like you'd see on an electric blanket. Um, no remote or anything, just a, and then you plug it in and you have different wax flavors. This one it's like a very nice little candle fragrance. Um, I don't always know or remember which ones we get, but it stays and conserves wax for so long that you don't always have to even buy them. So it's awesome. And it's, it's like a lid turned inside out sitting on top of like a glass lid. Real pretty. If you imagine like a glass little dish sitting on top of this jar, um, holding the wax on top the wax cubes or the wax melted already and you could definitely burn this stuff out so it really helps with the fragrance and the ambiance and I really it takes me to a time of being afraid of something and then learning that it's actually something new to not be afraid of anymore so like a lot of things in life um so we'll start with that. We're getting into relationships. We're getting into independence, adulting, all kinds of stuff in this episode. Very deep episode. It really needs to be, it, it needs to be said. It needs to happen. 
because a lot of you struggle with honest communication and I've struggled with this for a very long time. Recently, I've tr- I've really started to wake up in my honesty because I think we're beating ourselves up over things like being blunt and things like candorous and things like, well, what if they don't like me anymore? Or um, what if I say something that hurts their feelings? Or what if I say something that offends them? Or what if I say something that somehow they interpret it as against their family? Or what if I say something that goes against their comforts? Or what if I say something that goes against their flow, their high state, their peace, their life, and things like that? And you know what I've started to recognize? And I want to teach you is in honesty. Um... And getting into teaching here, we're going to definitely go deep into, like, we're going all kinds of little things. Um, It's going to start out wide and go deeper and deeper and deeper. Wide in general and broad and go deeper. So, this looks like the way that we overthink about our relationships, friendships, all this kind of stuff. How much do you want to live, though, by having to walk on eggshells around somebody? Having to not know what's going on in their life. Like, you might know half-truths about their life. You might be half-involved in their life, and then the other half is like, you're not included. It's like exclusive access to other people and you're it's a divided up life it's a divided up community between family and friends maybe you've had a friend or a few friends maybe you've seen people from your past maybe you've had a friend for a long time and it's been this way to where you're constantly overthinking um when you have your communications with them and things like this of what if i said the wrong thing or what if i said this rudely or what if i What if they misinterpret it because I'm not taking enough responsibility? And maybe at first, if you really meet somebody, it's kind of funny, but if you really meet somebody at first, you might consider some of these things like, how do I approach something in a way that's truthful, but not hurtful, or that's truthful, but not um, rude or something like that? Okay. You might have a little bit of politeness when you're getting to know somebody and you're learning what they're comfortable with, what you're comfortable with. But it's funny based on experience for sure that I've known strangers that I could be more open with than people I've known for a long time. Like it's just the truth. And I don't know if you felt that way where you've had that whole, that saying about talking to A stranger is sometimes easier than talking to people that have been in your family, that have had a history with your family, that have been your friends, that have been in your life for a long time. Sometimes it's easier to have those conversations or even action because honesty is also based on a lot of action. Sometimes you find yourself included more in somebody else's life that you barely even know and it's almost as if you're treated as if they've known you for a long time, as if... It should be the friends that you've known a long time, but it isn't. It's the people that 
you're getting to know, they're getting to know you. Um, you've not known each other a long time. I don't believe that first impressions always make a difference. And I don't believe that from this experience in teaching you, I also don't teach this. And I also don't teach that knowing somebody, however long you've known them, should be the factor into what you base your relationship on because it doesn't make a damn bit of difference sometimes. Some people will definitely take whatever they can get when it comes to attention, when it comes to um, time, when it comes to any kind of money, when it comes to help, um, when it comes to just like They'll never say no, and there's an expectation that if you've known somebody a long time that they should be included in every part of your benefits and every part of your entertainments that you pay for and every part of your everything because it's like this, this requirement that you set upon yourself because you feel that if you've known somebody a long time, that automatically there's an honesty there. Think about all those times, though, that you were not invited, you were not included, um, you were not introduced. You know, and you're like, I've known this person forever, and I can't even, you know, there is no family inclusion, there is no, like figuring things out together, doing um, certain things in life are like all, completely off limits. And maybe you've been the one to give a lot when it comes to this sort of thing. You've been the one to like offer your access into inside of how you do these things. And, and it's almost a cutoff point because with some of you, you have family as your only community. And that's going to fuck up anything else that you're doing. You're fucking up anything else that you're doing. And it's stifling. If you are somebody who has a spirit of like teaching, a spirit of guiding people through meditations, or a spirit of like teaching in a classroom, or publicly speaking, even if that's online, on a YouTube video, on a podcast, The one question that I would think you would ask yourself is how can you teach if you don't want new experiences? Anything that you teach, and I know a lot of spiritual teachers struggle with this, like especially solo people, people that um, whether it's in person or virtual or whatever, you just know, you can see it. Um, a lot of those that are very, very introverted. And I've known like more than one, like there's been a few people that are very introverted in this work that really struggle with not thinking they need new experiences, thinking they're better and not wanting to teach based on new experiences, but like reteach and reteach and reteach their old experiences and even outdated things from older sources of spirituality. I know a lot of churches that struggle with this as well. Thankfully, ours does not. I'm really, ours is a very open, non judgmental church. 
I'm very grateful to be a part of and proud of, um, proud to be a part of it, proud to, proud of it, everything, um, not pride in an egoic way, but pride in a very, like, loving and gratitude to God kind of way, um, but that's the other thing is, how can you actually teach anything if you're not wanting new experiences in your life? You're not going to teach a damn thing anymore. Like, it's going to be all repeats of the same old episode titles, the same old podcasts, YouTube videos, websites, mailing lists, course selling, all this bullshit because you don't want any new experiences. You're too enlightened for new experiences. You're too disciplined for new experiences. You're too comfortable for new experiences. You're too better for new experiences. You think you're better. You think that you're just going to follow wherever your community goes and you're just, things are just going to fall into your lap and you're not going to need to learn anything else and you're still going to be able to like get whatever sort of authority that you have inside you, like that sort of burning energy out of you by teaching things and insights, maybe maybe correcting yourself a little bit of like accuracies, but you're going to always kind of be in this continuum of like getting this sort of energy burn out of you that says that makes you feel like you're an authority of something. By continuously showing and teaching the same things because you've never had to get new experiences. You just follow, 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 follow the leader. The leader could be the leader in your family. The leader could be the leader of uh, your classroom, the leader of your church. And instead of maybe having, taking things with a grain of salt, changing directions, being open to suggestions and advice, you just follow your cult leader. If you've ever seen a sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond, they talk about this in an episode about the family being a cult. <laughs> it's funny. They're like, they, uh, the brother just got out of the, of his, uh, his cult, right? And so, and it's like, oh, great. You got out of your spiritual positive path cult, right? And then you go and you're sitting watching the game with your family. You got everybody around the house watching this game. And all of a sudden the mom's like, because the brother's living at home, right? And the mom's like, all right, it's time for lunch. And because he's like, I'm not going to be told what to do anymore. I'm out of this cult, right? And the mom's like, oh, it's time for lunch. <laughs> and he goes, but I'm watching the game. Lunch. And all of a sudden, he gets up. I'm going to have to do an episode and, and start getting some clips together because it's hilarious. And he gets up. He's like, what are we having? And the mom was like, chicken. And everybody chants like, okay. And it's like, oh my God, like could, that could never be any more true. The family's a fucking cult. And you're just doing what the cult leader tells you. And it's no better than a church cult that's like abusive or even just, it's funny as hell. Cause like most of society falls into this trap and we don't want to get out. We don't want new experiences. And it's not even that the the person who leads or anything is evil. 
it's just hilarious because we find ourselves putting ourselves as this position of power that we have to control everything. We have to control our, our children when they become adults. Our children, you know, have no sense of anything, so they kind of just don't do anything else. And And so what happens is, It's just, it's kind of like cult has been deemed as evil, right? Like the word, but I think it's just kind of ridiculous that we misinterpret the word cult as like drinking bleach, getting everybody to drink bleach. Yes, that did happen. Yes, there are harmful cults. I mean, don't get me wrong, but like it could just be that you follow the patterns of everybody around you. You go everywhere that they, that they, that, uh, that they go because you have nothing else to do. Um, and they expect you to be there anyway, because you're just, you're a seat, you're, you're a seat to them. You're like, you know, you're just there. Right. And, and this happens a lot with school. And I think we've like, in the spiritual community, we've really, really demonized a lot of this. This is corrupt. Society is a cult. Yeah. There's cult-like behaviors in everything including family, include, and I know you don't want to hear it. It's, it's really rough. It's rough to look at something you've never seen before with curiosity. Instead, you freak out. You're worried about a mess. You're worried about a little bit of a heat, especially if you see something like a wax warmer. It's scary. It's new. It's whatever. It's a test. It's a fucking test to see what the fuck you do. <laughs> It's that's what it is. When something new comes along, how are you going to react? Are you as peaceful as you say you are? Are you as unperturbed as you claim to be? Or are you squeamish? Are you freaked out about everything? I've had to work on my own self with being freaked out about everything once upon a time. I really have. And it is weird. Like I've had to learn, for example, to catch a ball without being freaked out, being blind, being, you know, kind of differently adapted to things in life. I've had to learn for my daughter to catch a ball without being like squeamish and freaked out over that stupid ball. Like who cares? Like it's a fucking like really like freaked out over that. It sounds so stupid, right? But that's all from experience. And even being told, my father-in-law had to tell me, like, get over your shit. Stop being so squeamish. And that was really a lot of our problem, I think, as to why we were in a crazy situation at the time. Because we had our own kind of squeamish things. And it fucked things up. And when you have these kinds of things, it actually really affects yourself. But it also affects those that you love. It affects your family. It fucks up your relationships, your friendships. It affects a lot because everybody kind of goes off of each other. I hate to say it, but everybody's interdependent. Whether you live on your own or not, you get help whether you live on your own or not. And you, people model after each other. That's why we have cult-like behaviors. In the world, in our lives. And, um... Inexperience, and so I've just 
notice that when people relate and when you relate, it's not that things are perfect. It's not that anybody wants to cling or sort of uh, attach too much or all of a sudden it's like NRE. Because I've actually learned a lot about fantasy and NRE and how it's like very, very misplaced in our minds, in our lives, in our relationships. And it really fucks up relationships because it takes over if you let it, if you're not aware of it coming on. But what I've realized is when you relate so well with people and they've actually been through some shit and you've been through some shit, like you're going to treat each other like you've known each other for a long time and it's going to be a form of trust. And you're actually doing things in real life that pertain to advantaging each other, helping each other, systemizing for each other, life, bills, family, um, especially children. It's really, really more and more difficult to relate. Um, people have a hard time relating to other people that have children because they think that people should be a certain way, live life a certain way. Nothing bad should ever be allowed to happen once you've decided to have children, but that's not the way life works. People think, you know, when they don't have children, some people have a really a, a deep understanding about it because they've been experienced enough in life. So I'm not saying everybody that doesn't have children, but a lot of us who don't, some people who don't have children, have this sort of like judgment of, oh, you're fucking lucky you get all this. You have all this help now because you have a child. Like you have all this help now because you got systematized or, you know, you got into these programs now. Yeah. When you have children, you have help and jobs and things like that. But even if you don't have children, there's systems as well. But you're also not... um you're you're taking care of yourself. It's it's uh you don't have as much like you don't have that beautiful love that you get from a child, but you definitely have, you know, yourself and in a lot of ways you're not fighting like you would when you have a child. So of course there's a survival element to things. Of course there's gonna be programs of course there's going to be hypocrisies because somebody's going to want to say I wish I could tell you to go get a fucking job but I don't have a job or I wish that this is stupid to see all these programs around and it's not a reflection of what somebody else has to do if you have no children or a child or 10 children you don't have to choose church to do shit. Um, our church actually embraces cursing as well. Um, there's people that, like, I love Jesus all day. I love God and all that. But I curse, like, yeah, exactly. It's how it should be. Very, very open. And even just about, not just that, but even deeper when it comes to, like, God loves you even if you're part of LGBT. Even if you're different race and things like that. And so when it comes to LGBT, when it comes to race, our church is really, really open. And um, there's people that think differently about things anyway, and we're allowed to disagree with each other. That's how open our church is. Um, and voicing the love that's, you know, 
loud, like I love you, period, kind of thing. Um, and so it's very stage green in this way, but it's also very stage yellow when it comes to knowing that actually people don't always need money thrown at a problem. They need advocates, even though sometimes money is very appreciative and very much appreciated and very much helps. But sometimes you need to look for an advocate or somebody to work with you and sit down. It's a very cool approach to work with people, to help people find work. And, uh, some work is paid, some work is not, and that's been that way for years for us. We've had some paid work in our lives, we've had some unpaid work. It's called experience, it's called, you know, being sort of open to these things and out there and that kind of thing. Um, and so, in doing this, You got to ask yourself, are you being honest enough with people? Is it really going to hurt? If you've known somebody a long time and all it takes is for you to say one or two things about their life, like you've known them a long time and you've actually had open communication. I'm not talking about people that you've known a long time and have not had open communication, but if you've known people a long time and have had open communication and they're so fragile that all it takes is for you to tell them a change in your life or something good that happened to you or all it takes is for you to tell them maybe a thought or an idea or some suggestions or even what you've observed and they're so fragile that they cannot handle it. Your honesty needs to breathe, and that's what I've really come to terms with, is that our honesty needs to breathe, needs to be healthy, it needs to be rooted in love and non-judgment, but also in, I'm going to tell you the truth, whether, you know, it might hurt your feelings, it might offend you a little bit, but really, I would rather have people that care enough, that give a fuck, to tell me the truth, not just look at me, I'm on a YouTube video preaching, or I'm in a church pulpit preaching, or I'm on a podcast preaching. I'm writing up here on this blog, preaching, whatever it is. I'm putting on my work on a page preaching, whatever it is, to like... You know, it, that doesn't really mean anything as much. It, it means a lot when it's in deep work. When you're kind of in that space with a pod, with a creator, with a YouTuber, a podcaster, a blogger, with any kind of creator, that there's a time and a place for that. But then when it comes to like real life and honesty, I would rather, I've had people who have barely known me that have been more honest with me in my whole entire life, telling me the truth, whether I wanted to hear it or not, in the last like week or two, than I have over the last 14 to 20 years of life. Because most people are too squeamish to handle it. Most people are too offended. Most people are too nervous. Most people are scared. 
And I want to get you out of that because it's not going to help you when you have to face the world. When everybody, your whole entire system is disrupted and gone and you wake up and everybody you know is gone and you have nobody left, you're going to have to be honest in your actions with yourself, with other people. You're going to have to ask for help from strangers. You're not going to know what to do. And that's where you have to be honest. And that's where this kind of thing is undertaught, underestimated. When you get on on the streets, you're not going to have any street smarts. If you don't start with honesty, you're not going to have any street smarts. Book smarts in life will only get you so far. Book smarts are great for knowledge and know-how and maybe maybe manuals especially or you know relationships um maybe learning how like something that you can learn for yourself or something like that's very valuable don't get me wrong i love reading my husband loves reading he reads different types of books and i read different type of books and we'll read books together too and whatever um but at the same point, books have to be paired with actual real-life application, actual real-life action, or else the book is just entertainment at that point. And do you want to be entertained the rest of your life? And then all of a sudden you realize that everybody else has moved on and changed direction and you're just left by yourself because you didn't move on. You followed everybody until they stopped walking. You followed everybody until they stopped running. You followed everybody you could that you were connected to, your bloodline, right? But what the fuck are you gonna do when you're not honest and there is no more left? And they are going to places that you cannot go anymore or they're nowhere to be found anymore. Or they're gone. It's a hard, hard truth to talk about. And there's probably going to be a couple fuck yous, unsubscribes, um, not participating in this podcast anymore. I really don't give a fuck anymore. Even if I know you. Because I'd rather be honest and let my, and be myself and allow this to breathe. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this has made you think. Definitely be going deeper. Take care of yourself. Take care of your life. Take care of each other as best you can. Stay connected to yourself.